0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 284 of Creative Writing, much like a podcast. Hello, Tilbore. How are you doing today, baby? Hello, Junkie. I hope you are doing well this fine evening. Yeah, I am. I hope you're doing well this five de- fine evening. And, uh, pardon me, um, I'd like us to take a little trip down through the gulch, Buttfuckers Gulch. Before we get started with the show tonight
1: But Gulch is not on any map service that I am aware of
0: Tobort, the BFG is in your mind It's in your soul It's a Moto One Podcast Network You're listening to Creative Writing America's best motorcycle podcast Hey, there's a bunch of asterisks behind that. Never mind. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more information, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing to learn how you can support the show yourself. Now, let's get cracking. Roll on the throttle. Blip the brakes. I'll blip the brakes. the air cleaner. Check the crankshaft. I'll check the crankshaft. And don't spill your coffee. Don't spill your coffee. Junkie. You're a very weird dude <laughs> up your butt with a coconut boy. you're very weird you I've never met a sentient robot before, especially when it looks like you you look kind of i don't know i am afraid that you're gonna do something heinous to me or else I'd s- speak my mind more freely um but yeah i I don't know i I just I'm afraid that you're one of those types of robots that's hurtful or gonna gonna hurt me you know if I say want to speak how I want to speak. Speak away. <laughs> Not on your life, oh boy. All right, oh boy, I got your number. Uh, hey, listen, everybody, welcome to episode 284 of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. The BFG, I think we should make that its own podcast, and it's uh, going to be free to patrons, and it's going to be a subscription only. <clears throat> I think we can get some juicy tales out of there. So listen, listen. The views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of creative writing, which is weird because we're talking on the show. But listen, the show is separate from the people on it. You know what I'm saying? I guess that's why we have to do this disclaimer every every week. The Moto1 Podcast Network, which is weird because we're part of that, but again, they don't want to be held liable for dumb things that we may say. We say a lot of dumb things, or any of our affiliates, which of course everyone that's come on the show, big brain, except for maybe um, who who's uh, I can't think of who's been on the show that's not you know talented and smart, good looking, um, you know, good with a motorcycle. Every single person we've had on here. Uh, So I mean, I guess we don't want our poor opinions of things to reflect negatively on them. So I get it. Uh, So anything that we say. In our opinions, and anybody else's opinion on the show, for that matter, that has been on, even if they are smart and talented and uh, have very nice things to say about motorcycles, their opinion doesn't reflect the policy position or opinions of anybody else that's been on the show. Any opinion is the respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even Indian FTR championship edition riders riders. I almost said drivers, but you don't drive a motorcycle, you ride one. Yeah, look, Tobor, when I turn my head, can you see? Um Do you see how the what what angle would you say my head is at? Can you can you uh can you see my head? Like can you can you see the angle that I have my head at, I guess I should say? Yeah, I see that. All right. What what angle would you say this is? Cuz when I turn my head to this right here uh yeah, right about here. I can't. It like my. Um, oh, geez. I'm sorry. Not only do I, <laughs> not only do I start dropping things all over our desk and and uh, n- near this sensitive microphone, but I can't hear. I had to turn my head that far. How far would you say that is? Two hundred and ninety dig Deg, t- <laughs> Tobor, coming in with the heat. I now it doesn't work again. So I need some new headphones, uh, Tobor. If you could. Uh, could you, if you do, do me a favor and order me up some new headphones. I'll let you decide the brand. You are our technical guru. You are the producer. Oh, my God. I let that slip. Guys, Tobor is the producer of our show. So, hey, what did we um, – let's let's clue everybody in before we get into this week's show. What did we do today?
1: You made a foolish YouTube video. I simply added the subtitles.
0: Yeah, yeah you did. And thank you very much for that. I, was, I wasn't really sure how I was going to be able to uh, – you know, do all of that and still get everything done today. It's a very, very busy day personally as well as like trying to do stuff for the for the show. Um, how did they turn out? They're very accurate. Oh, awesome. Cool. I haven't had a chance to watch it. We stuck it up on our Patreon. So if you're a patron, you can see it. And I think it will release uh, to the public probably at the end of the month. Maybe I might actually just make it patron only because although my face doesn't show up on camera, my actual like from the neck up doesn't, it's really weird. Um, my hands do, um, most of my body does. And I've found out that if my head is inside a helmet, sometimes you can see, must be the lighting. You can see my eyes and stuff. So, but on this reflection, the, uh, you can see my face in the reflection of this material that we had in the, uh, in the video. I don't want to scare anybody away. I don't want to make anyone barf. Uh, and I'm pretty hideous. So, uh, Long story short, I think I may, maybe I will just make it patron only. I'm going to close, quit iMovie. I creep myself out seeing myself. Ugh, gross. But, anyways, so yeah, we put a little Patreon video up just so people can see some of the fun stuff we do around here. It's not really that fun, actually. It's kind of stupid. But, uh, yeah, that thank you, Tobor, for helping me out. Like I said, I'll, I will watch the video when I get a chance. Um, and. Let me see. Let's get into this. uh, Let's get right away. Let's get into this week's show. Uh, Tobar, I'm going to stick you. I'm going to pot you down here. There we go. Uh, Just so there's no more clicks and clacks and beeps and boops. Thank you so much for your help this afternoon. I'll let you get to the board and uh, do the production duties. I'll show you who is the producer,
1: Mr. Big Shot. I'll erase your funny audio. Beep bop beep.
0: (laughs) Right now let's get into the upcoming Events And I'm not 100% sure. There's a lot of upcoming events. I only wrote down one. (laughs) So coming up in a couple weeks, right after um, Thanksgiving, I believe. Uh, Let me see. When is Thanksgiving this year? I think this is right after uh, Thanksgiving. Of course, there's going to be the weekend of Thanksgiving, uh, the Friday after. Uh, The LA B2V starts, which is Los Angeles, uh, Barstow to Vegas. It's a a two-hour dual sport event. It used to be a race. It's not a race now. You need a street legal bike and you go from uh, Barstow to Las Vegas all on back roads. Hardly any street. There is some street. That's why it has to be street legal. And once you get to Vegas, you uh, you roll through Vegas down the street. So you do have to have a street legal uh, dual sport. Uh, the smaller, the better. Uh, ADV bikes are great for adventures, but adventure bikes, as we may discuss at some point aren't really that great for off-roading and i would say like even like uh, some dual sports aren't aren't are pushing it like if you have a, a off-road bike like a ktm well we're going to talk about some ktms in, in a little bit but you know if you've got a ktm or an old uh, cr500 that's plated or something like that is perfect for you and you can do it on different bikes that are uh quote, dual sport, but, uh, I don't know. Scramblers and big ADV bikes could probably do most of it because I think there's an easy route. I like, if I really, uh, felt like p- p- punishing myself, I think I would take the SCR 950. Uh, it's not really even a good, um, Fire road bike though. I mean, it, tur- it turns out this thing's a hunk of turd. This thing's a great cafe racer, good uh, classic looking bike. And and back in the day, people did scramble bikes similar to this. But back in the day, people also didn't have good ADV off road dual sport, so on and so forth. You had to, you had to you know tour on or do off road on these things. Nowadays, with the luxury of being able to buy a dual sport bike, I think I might be in the bike uh, market for a different bike for off road stuff. Turn this thing into an old cafe race. Put some street tires on and take it out to the track. Um, listen, so LA 2 is happening. Uh, I think you got to sign up for it. I'm not 100% sure how much uh, time is left, but that's uh, something pretty fun. Uh, Day in the Dirt is going to be happening also, I believe, that weekend, which is, uh, I think, a Hell on Wheels uh, event. That happened. Well, Hell on Wheels is doing it. I don't. Uh, it didn't originally start as a Hell on Wheels event, I believe. But it's the day after Thanksgiving out at Glen Helen Raceway. It's very, very popular here in SoCal to go do that. Glen Helen's a fabulous uh, uh, venue. They do. They. Well, I don't know if they do anymore, but uh, I think they do. They did it this year. They have a World Grand Prix, like motocross Grand Prix there, like we're, like you think Moto MotoGP for uh, sport bikes. And road racing bikes, or circuit racing bikes, today should say. Should say. Uh, Glenn Helen hosts the, uh, yeah, this is terrible. Give me some new headphones, ASAP, Tobor. Sorry about that. Glenn Helen does motocross GP. Uh, and so they have like these uh, fantastic events out there. And Day in the Dirt just so happens to be um, the day after Thanksgiving. It's a family event. And it's intended for people to come out and be able to ride one of the nation's greatest GP uh, motocross gp tracks um as a family get get all the kids out there you know do some fun racing some fun riding all day it's a whole day in the dirt um and there's a bunch of cool stuff happening out there if you have a chance go do that and also i believe this is the sunday after thanksgiving if it's before the sunday before thanksgiving i apologize but uh November 26th, ramming speed is compact octane at the Streets of Willow. The Streets of Willow is the smaller course up at the uh, Willow Springs International Raceway, famous uh, Rosemont, California. Also, Becky, if you go read your email from a couple weeks ago, you re- may realize Backmarker Ridge, part of the BFG, goes right along Willow Springs. So you ride the gulch, you ride Buttfuckers Gulch down, you will uh, inevitably be part of, uh, Willow Springs out there in the distance. Um, also that, uh, that's all I have right now. The small, the compact octane was meant to be for smaller bikes too. The streets is kind of a tighter, uh, smaller course. It's not the big wide open course. So it's good for small bikes, good for practice. And they're going to open it up to, and it was intentionally, uh, kind of for smaller stuff. They're going to open it up to, um, Harleys for the BRL, uh, Bagger Racing, Racing League, uh, practice. So, um, just they're not they're keeping the bigger bikes and stuff like that out, I think. So, anyways, that's the uh, that's going to be happening that weekend. Let's get into some news. Tobor, do we have a stinger for the news? Let's not do a stinger. Yeah, we won't do a stinger. We'll just jump straight into the news. And I can keep fooling with these uh, wires back here. I just leave it alone. There we go. Sounds terrible in my headphones. That's why. Uh, So listen, here's some news. So it begins. (laughs) Uh, We we should start out with the major motorcycle news first. So I guess I'll switch this news story till the end. Let me go. What's the the very last news story? Here we go. We'll do the last one first. Last news story first, because by the time you're hearing this, it will be happening. EICMA EICMA 2022 is coming up. It's the 8th and 9th uh, this year. So probably today, if you're listening to this uh, on Tuesday. Uh, what will be the latest surprise to pop out of the world's most famous motorcycle expo? IMA? always used to kick off the, um, you know, basically the show year. Uh, and it would it would really be kind of a, a precursor to what's coming. If they didn't show it at EICMA, hey, it'd show up at Long Beach IMS, which of course is not happening anymore. Or it would show up at the uh, sometime... Uh, mid-year after that. But iKma was the big one. iKma was kind of letting us know what's coming down the pipes or some announcements would be made. And then you're going to hear about it later in the year. If they didn't reveal them there, they would announce them. They'd get revealed at IMS or whatever. So iKma, what's going to be the latest bike to pop out of there? Will it be Suzuki's new parallel twin that I've been hearing so much about for the last couple months? Uh, somebody was saying that they, well, uh, about a month and a half ago or Two months ago now, I didn't mention on the show because, uh, you know, it's all speculation at this point, but there's a lot of uh, rumors and some spy shots of a parallel twin um, in Suzuki cladding uh, being tested in somewhere in Europe, I think they found it. And uh, they're saying, hey, is the SV650 going to get a parallel twin now? And uh, Suzuki finally moving away from the tried and true motors, everybody, you know, everybody loves Suzuki's motors and they always get blamed for having bold new graphics. But when you invent something that works and you design something that works, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So for all the, uh, you know, for all the bad that Suzuki gets, all the bad press and the bold new graphics comments that they get made, they have a lot of stuff that really works. The GSX-R 750, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, like the Moto2 bikes are 7.65 right now, you know, there's and, and I think that they're the 650 class is more or less going away and the 750 class may be coming back and racing. So guess what? Suzuki's had this motor that they've just been making better and better and better for like the last like 30, 35 years, right? So who did it right? You know, who, who did it best? I think Suzuki for all their, like I said, for all the bold new graphic comments uh, had hit a home run from the beginning and so, now that this parallel twin might be coming out uh, for the 650s, we'll see. Uh, maybe it's going to happen, maybe it's not. But also, that'll mean that the uh, SV650 will be a SP650, right? Because it's not a V twin anymore. And also, the Wii Strom, you can still call it a Wii Strom, but maybe a Wii P Strom. I don't know if, if the uh, all the 650 uh, Vs get changed to parallel twins. Well, I just have to see. It's still speculation at this point, um, but we'll have to see. That might be. Uh, uh, coming out and I've heard it on several podcasts, read it on several articles, uh, the new parallel twin, but so we'll see. Maybe that's what's going to be popping out at EICMA. Also the trans from Honda, uh, seeking to dethrone the Tenere 700 for the middleweight ADV category or dual sport category, whatever you choose to call it. Uh, I've heard that, that Honda is, uh, coming out with the trans out and, Uh, that it could be a 700 or 750 uh, CC kind of based on the parallel twin probably in the NC 750X that they already have. Well, why would you make a trans out? You know, why would you make something that you already have? Well, the NC is more of a small... Um, adventure bike where I feel like the Africa twin is a little bit more like a KTM where it's like an adventure dual sport. And we can talk about that in a later episode if you want to know the difference to me, like a GS, a Pan America, uh, um, even, a uh, some of the bigger, bigger tigers, those are ADV, meaning you can have an adventure on them and adventure doesn't mean you have to go off road, but it means that you can go down some dirt trails and I feel like some of the smaller KTM's, like the 690s, um, and I feel like some of the, uh, you know, the, the the V-Strom 650. If you get the uh, the kits that have, you know, the Adventure Tour or whatever the hell the the kits are on that, the KLR 650, things like that. Those are actually a little bit more like quote dual sport, um, dual sport capable quote, small ADV bikes. And so I think that the that's where I would draw the line. The ADV to me is like the NC750, but if they made a TransAlp and it was really more dirt capable, it'd be a small dual uh, uh, or a large dual sport you know what i'm saying so to me that's uh kind of what i'm thinking here so and maybe with a small parallel twin um from the 750 and just on a different chassis more like a, a baby africa twin we'll have to see so uh i've heard heard rumors of that so we'll see if that comes out um what else uh, will it be an electric motorbike from another OEM, not just Livewire? And I did uh, go to Eikma and look up the vendor list. A lot of them are insane. There's so many electric motorcycle vendors there. However, there always are, and they're never for the States or even for Britain. So we'll see if that actually comes to light. Uh, and also Harley-Davidson rumored to be possibly putting that new sporty uh, Nightster. Nine seven five motor in a baby uh, trans America or Pan America, so we'll see. That would be see. That's another that'd be a bitching, uh, especially if they made it a little bit more off road. A lot of people. This is anecdotally. I uh, can't personally say I've read it from like a market report, but from I've I've heard and read on a few forums and quotes from from people that uh, so this is all anecdotal and hearsay that a lot of people weren't satisfied with Pan America as an off-road bike as a touring adventure bike, great, just like every other touring adventure bike, but as an off-road capable bike, not so much. So maybe they make it a little bit lighter, a little bit. Uh, Lower, but with some stout um, suspension, but still have that kick. You know, a nice, a nice beefy motor, and especially the horsepower that these new water-cooled Harleys are pumping out. I think people might be a little bit more, uh, a little more happy with it. Picking up a big ass bike when you drop it in the dirt isn't fun. Picking up a little bike isn't fun, but just magnify that by all these big bikes, and it's the whole reason why people don't really quote dual sport, these big ADV bikes, right? So I, I think there might be a lot of potential coming out of Eikma. some really fun, fun stuff. Now we can kind of transition into this, uh, cause I don't know if they're going to have this at Eikma. although I did see, uh, quite a few quads listed there, but listen, it's, it's going to be, it begins now. And I, I really didn't say too much about this before. I might have a little, a little blurb, but I didn't say a whole, whole lot when Honda pulled the ATVs out of the Australian market in 2021, it was based on a decision by the Australian government to require, require ROPS on all their four wheeled off-road vehicles, which is ROPS is rollover protection system, all side-by-sides inherently have it built in with the roll bar cage. That's part of them. Uh, The quads were being required to have this, too, and Honda's like, we're not going to develop a freaking cage for our quads in case you roll over. Don't roll your quad, right, and have it be safe. That's probably not doable. We don't often cover four wheels on the show, but obviously here we are again. Honda and Suzuki both disclosed on their U.S. websites that none of their ATVs will be available in California through 2023. Um, Honda ATVs weren't offered in California in 2022 even, but Suzuki made a big point to acknowledge the California green sticker eligibility of its machines, Uh, but it looks like 2023 is a bust for them. Uh, Kawasaki, Yamaha, and Polaris weren't clear. I didn't look up Can-Am, but there's a massive off-road community in Southern California and a vast pharmacology comprising the central region of our, of the state. Uh, and people don't really use quads that much for golf courses and things like that, but they do use quads a lot for, uh, Farms, we have a lot of wineries here when we have a lot of agriculture in the I mean all over spread out. If there's a place that's got like some hills and stuff, you'll find you'll see orchards from the freeways, but the central coast, the central part of the state, massive farming uh, in there. And I know they use a lot of side by sides and quads uh, uh, for for that sort of stuff. And then you do have the recreational quads. well, uh, Suzuki, at least on their, um, I didn't see on the sport quad, but I was looking up the, uh, utility quads, same with Honda, the utility quads, not making it to California, uh, for whatever reason. And, um, let me see. California seems like off-road sport and utility segments we'll be seeing shrinking offerings until electric ATVs hit the market because you've got like I said maybe Polaris still is going to offer some maybe Can-Am still going to offer some maybe Yamaha still offer some and maybe their sport quads are still for sale, but just not the the uh, utility ones. It's just too big of a market to miss out on here. With all the desert that we have here in Southern California, and all of the mountain and you know stuff that we have in Northern California, there is way too much off roading. Uh, it's a huge market here. Uh, the farming market as well. I mean, you can't discount that. Although that might be a smaller chunk, but it's just it's interesting. And California is trying to do away with with electric car uh, with uh, gas cars. They're trying to make electric cars. So it's not just the specialty markets and the power sports markets. It's it's all markets. I, I think that it uh, might be affected. So until the until the Japanese manufacturers make some electric ATVs or the electric ATVs start hitting the market, we might see a shrinking segment here. Um, all the major Japanese manufacturers uh out of all of them uh suzuki is the one with the least amount of models that meet california's strict air quality standards and notably many of their 250 cc and under motorcycles went by over the last decade because of low sales and no interest in states where they were emissions compliant so like the tu250 super cute cafe bike was never if ever was not a California bike because it didn't ever meet the uh, carb standards' it was California Air Resources board same with the G uh god they had like a little 250. 250- like naked bike uh for a while you know they, they they've had a bunch of little smaller bikes and then you have the ds 200 that thing didn't come back f- after 2020 I don't know if it just like they couldn't get it in again but there goes that I don't maybe the sales weren't high enough they're selling more dr 400 and dr 650s that they don't need the 200 anymore but all these low displacement uh Suzuki motorcycles have just been disappearing I don't know if it's because it's sales and I don't know if it's because hey there's no interest for it in other states, but California, where you have a pretty good, like I said, off-road and dual sport and things like that. There's just not enough. The there's so many people here uh, that have motorcycles, but they're not compliant. So there you go. And then everywhere else where they're available, it's like there's no interest for them. So um, yeah, it's we've got one of the um, one of the highest populations. And one of the as a result, one of the worst air qualities nationwide. So California, it's really walks this delicate line of having one of the highest motorcycle and power sport registrations per capita. I don't know if we're the highest, but we got a huge population, and if you figure that a certain percentage of that owns motorbikes, yeah, California has got a lot. You know, a lot of um, motorbikes and. I'm going to say power sports, which includes quads, side-by-sides, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, So we we, we have a lot of people, but, as a result, like there's like a little bit of a, um, we, we also have some of the toughest restrictions on vehicles. So it's really, really weird to have, you know, all these things going on here in California. It's a little ironic, or maybe it's just a catch 22, but despite the policies, the state does have a long history of smog mitigation. As you heard in episode 281, California has all the way back into the the forties, um, has had, policies in place because of the air air quality was so horrible. Since the 40s, we've had the worst air quality in, in the nation. So that's the whole reason why California is so strict. It's still the worst. Um, but despite that, despite having these these smog mitigation uh, uh, policies ever since like the early 40s, California has still been the birthplace of the hot rod movement, also that happened in the 40s and 50s. The motorcycle cycle lifestyle, and I'm going to say that, I, I feel like honestly, like the quote, lifestyle is born here in California. We, we were motocross. And if you look at the motocross industry, almost every single uh, team is based to help. KTM is right by Brian Viffer in Murrieta, California. Uh, Kawasaki, um, Yamaha, they all have or had or have uh, a bunch of their headquarters are right out here, right near that same area Lake Elsinore, um, Corona. Murrieta, Temecula, all out there in the kind of wilderness part of SoCal that's ba- perfect for motocross and personal private tracks. Colton Haker used to live out there, had his own personal track. I think Brian Deegan lives out there. You know, everybody. everybody's a ton of people. I could just start naming uh, motocross riders. And if they don't live in Florida or like Tennessee, they live in, in SoCal right there. So the motocross has a huge, huge, uh, uh, Presence here, desert racing, of course, and even electric mo- motorcycles to top it off. Like all of the electric motorcycle companies uh, are here in California. I think Livewire moved from Milwaukee to here in San Francisco. Harley Davidson built that huge campus here in San Francisco area, and I think it was for Livewire. I'm not 100% sure where Livewire is, is out of, but I know they're still. Um, they were started in in Milwaukee, but I believe that they are are out here now. I'm not, you know, I. That might if, if not, that might be one of the only uh electric motorcycle companies that's not here. We have uh uh zero uh lightning, moto sis, uh, you know, there are a bunch that have are probably already gone, come and went, like uh Brammo was in Oregon, but you know, probably other ones that have come and gone, those they they were here too. Um, also. I know that Yonkers Motorcycle Club has the oldest AMA club in the USA, but they didn't have a movie called The Wild One named after them like the Booze Fighters did. The Booze Fighters here from California. Also, the San Francisco uh, Motorcycle Club and Pasadena Motorcycle Club. Yonkers, New York is the oldest AMA club, but San Francisco and Pasadena are the second and third oldest respectively, and guess what state they're in. Plus, the... Hollister and Von Dutch, I know they're shirts that you see on every chat on college campuses with their RUCA shirts, but Hollister and Von Dutch, both out here. The Hells Angels started here, I believe, in San Francisco. Uh, Bill Johnson Motors, uh, famous Johnson Motors in Pasadena. Preston Petty and Preston Petty Plastics. And then all of those uh, electric motorcycle companies, plus Arch, I believe Arch is, is here, and even an Indian at one point. They've all called California homes. So despite the fact that California seems to be losing more and more uh, models and and having them more, uh, like, we already don't get some of the stuff that other states get. Now, like, companies are pulling their whole lineup. And the only reason I'm bringing up quads on this show is because it could affect, at some point, motorcycles. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you see things moving in adjacent uh, streams, you need to pay attention to your own river or else uh, the next thing you know, it's going to be dammed up, right? So I'm just saying, I noticed that it's beginning. I'm a little bit freaked out about it, but trying to keep optimistic um, and just we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see after ICMA. Maybe after ICMA they'll be like, hey, we pulled out some of our quads because we've got some electric quads. Uh, let's get away from this. Stop talking about uh, California and all the stuff we're not going to get. Start talking about some of the stuff that we are going to get and something that I really don't talk about that much and it is dirt bikes. Uh, I don't know why this popped out at me, but I think it's because I got some information at work, then I got some information at home, then, inf- then creative writing, uh, podcast, got some information. Just ever, they've been spamming this out harder than uh, zero was spamming out their adventure bike. Uh, it is the KTM 350 XCF factory edition. And so I, I thought I should take a minute to highlight it and tell you what's out there. Damn, I got stung by something just now. (laughs) That sucked. Anyway, the KTM 350XCF Factory Edition reminds me a little bit of the Honda CRF 450RWE, which we will also cover here in a little bit of detail and some comparison. They're about as close as you can get to the factory. Uh, from the showroom floor. They're at their dealerships. And like I said, KTM's right here, right next to, to uh, Brad Viffer down there in Murrieta, California. It is... Little go down there to the headquarters, knock on the door and ask him for a cup of sugar. They'll give it to you. Listen, both of them have Hinson clutch covers. Uh, what is that? Well, Hinson makes these crazy uh, aftermarket clutch covers that are just awesome. They're stronger than stock. They usually hold more oil than stock, which is uh, helps you... Um, Helps your clutch not overheat uh, and you can stack more plates in there, all this fun stuff, right? But to have it come with a Henson clutch cover from the factory, that's awesome. Both also have launch control and traction control. And KTM has two maps via a bar switch. The Honda has three ride modes on its bar switch. The ride modes basically I think are different maps. Um, KTM has a FMF slip-on muffler while the Honda sports a, sports a Yoshimura that includes the muffler as well as a titanium midpipe according to their website both bikes have slightly redesigned bodywork this year to provide better knee grip and that makes a lot of d- difference uh, riding off road i could tell you uh how important knee grip is <laughs> I'll tell you about that some other time, and um, anyway, yeah. So, so they support better ergonomics while riding. Basically, the Honda states that its bodywork was designed for better cooling, and KTM stated uh, that its plastics have been designed to expel mud better, which could affect cooling if it builds up in front of the radiator or builds up and uh, gets airflow not flowing through there. Um, there are more similarities as well as assorted goodies that set these models apart from the stock trim bikes next to them on the showroom floor price is very, very close. Uh, the KTM MSRP is twelve four ninety nine. 499. Um, while you get a hundred more CCs for a hundred dollars less with the Honda. So for twelve three ninety nine, 399, you get a 450 instead of a 350. So, but there was a bunch of cool stuff on there. And I was thinking to myself, Hey, I get dirt action mag motor, motocross action, action mag. I I read dirt wheels once in a while, even though that's mostly side-by-side stuff. I read all this cool stuff. I should talk about dirt bikes once in a while. They're fun. Uh, I just mentioned how crazy um, Southern California is for the industry and how much great stuff we have going on on here for it. Why don't I just talk about them? So there you go. Uh, A couple of good dirt bikes coming from the factory. Uh, I personally don't want to pay 12000 bucks for a dirt bike, but then again, Maybe if I really got into it, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't cry about it. My uh, co-worker always telling me to come ride his KTM 350 and and see see what I'm missing out on. So maybe one of these days I'll take him up on that offer. Uh, next in the news, Harley Davidson, they're going to repurpose their headquarters. Um, in 2020, as the pandemic changed the workforce in America, and I'm sure it did wherever you are that are listening to this right now. If you're in Texas or Arkansas, you guys too, you're still part of America. Uh, Harley Davidson is no different. They have a 500,000 square foot building, which is bigger than Delaware, the state, I think, uh, And it's been Harley Davidson's headquarters since 1973. It's been largely empty for the past two years as a majority of the employees have gone permanently remote. And that's happened with every business. My business was a huge building. We were just, for years and years, trying to figure out how to add more space, moving into bigger buildings. Getting more, you know, we are acquiring companies or merging with other companies. It's like, hey, you have 5,000 employees now. Guess what? You're going to have to move out of that little shack you have on Juneau Avenue. Uh, no, that's not us. That's Harley. But uh, same sort of thing. And finally, this last couple of years, we closed our campus. So, I mean, I, I know exactly what Harley's going through. The thing I don't know is what's going to happen with this. Uh, no plans have been divulged at this time, only that Harley-Davidson will, quote, repurpose the building. And uh, and I read a couple different articles. One of them said that Harley-Davidson applied for some permits. I think it was a Waukee Business Sentinel journal or something like that. Uh, they were saying that they uh, Harley applied for some permits to divvy up the land that was once the parking lot. So I'm not 100% sure what they're planning on that. And if you can get some partners to come in and share your office space or allow Harley-Davidson to provide you this office space and you're an adjacent company, guess the sort of deals, just hardly if you're listening, the sort of uh, collaborations you can make uh, with design, like clothing designers, you know, exhaust designers, make them get, get uh, Vance and Hines back in there, you know. Hey, rent out some of this building space and guess what? You're right next to our engineering department. Let's make something together. Whatever, whatever it is, I'm not 100% sure, but they got half a million square feet to figure it out. And uh, hopefully they do it. In other Harley news, Bagger Racing League, Shane Narbone He wins this year's uh, Bagger Racing League season on this Trask HD Bagger GP. Uh, if you come out to um, Willow Springs at the Streets of Willow, uh, November 26th, there is probably no chance you'll see him out there racing his uh, Bagger Racing League because I think he also does – flat track and i think he also does road racing and i think he also does supermoto so this is a biggie uh busy fellow and a biggie fellow big biggie in the beggar racing league you say that 10 times fast and super busy uh racing motorcycles because i guess if you're a racer you need money and to get money you have to win races so there you go um also, for 2023, this does we don't have to wait for Icema for this because it's already on BMW's website. Uh, you may know that they released the M1000 uh, last year, the year before. I didn't make too much of a stink about it because I don't really care. Um, to me, it's a bike that most people can't afford, but you know what? So is the H2. And one day, maybe we'll talk about all these exotic, crazy bikes that don't make any sense for the street. So in 2023, the BMW M1000 RR. And the M1000R street version now come with 90% more wings. I didn't see this on last year's bike. Maybe it was there and I just overlooked it. But I was looking at the bikes this year on the website. The naked one, the M1000R, it's basically like the S1000R. Uh, I couldn't believe the wings on this thing. It is insane. It makes the uh, S1000RR, which is a very fast bike and has set like multiple lap records on uh, and on British road racing and at the Isle of Man, which is still British road racing, they have set some crazy lap records. And and the BMW 1000 RR, uh, the S 1000 RR, crazy fast bike. Uh, especially like Peter Hickman and and uh, Ian Hutchinson and guys like that, uh, just blowing blowing each other's. Uh, and what's the other guy's name? I'm, there's one more guy that I'm forgetting, and I'm gonna feel like a jerk because I can't think of his name. But he's Dean hillier i forget but all three of those guys uh i think were on s1000 rrs at one time and they were just you know on the on the roads blowing records you know left and right so the m 1000 rr from what i hear is even crazier and i was reading some of the specs on it i didn't write down for this week's notes but i did want to tell you to look at it because it does have winglets galore it looks like a MotoGP bike and it's funny to see a street version a street bike with these crazy, insane wing winglets that stick out, uh, so far. And I, the, uh, being in the industry that I'm in, the first thing I think of is when you fall over and break those off or somebody, you know, walks past it at bike night and, and walks into this, those are just like a liability for when you go down. Hopefully you're not trying to lay your super expensive BMW M series motorcycle down, but if you're pushing it to the limit, uh, it's inevitable. Or if, uh, you take it Somewhere where people are less than uh, aware of their surroundings. It's inevitable. Um, and those wings, 90% more wings. Don't don't drink Red Bull and ride this thing or you're likely to get airborne. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say on that. Go check it out. The uh, 2023 BMW M1000R and RR. Uh, la- lastly, no, almost lastly, Arch. We're getting toward the end of the list here. Arch. This week's most important slash least important vehicle. The Arch one S yes. Arch America's uh premier motorcycle sport company. It feels funny to say that now, but uh, all the other ones, <laughs> that's the only one I get. They go is uh arch. Um, They have made the 1S, which I think is going into production now, and it's a super sport cruiser. It's got mid-controls, finally, a high cafe-style seat pan, finally. It's got 2,032 cc's, finally, which if you're an American, that's 124 cubic inches. Uh, That's bigger than the Indian and bigger than the Harley-Davidson Milwaukee 8, uh, and I'm not sure if it's bigger than the Screaming Eagle. I think that's 127, or you can get some like 131 kits. But uh, stock, I think that's the biggest American motor uh, yet. Uh, and it's a sport cruiser, finally. So finally, Arch 1S, you uh, you can get a bike that looks a lot like the rest of the Arches, only it's got a little bit different ergonomics. And that's the one thing I never did like about Arch. It was such this crazy-looking, cool, sport-ish it's like if you took a Harley Davidson and tried to make a, a sporty bike out of it, but not like Eric Buell did, uh, it was like it was like a Diavel, you know, like, uh, and V-Rod, like, you know, something like that, um, yamaha uh v max sort of thing like you know it was it was those are power cruisers but now it looks a little bit more sporty so finally the arch 1s. if you want to get your get away from your power cruiser and start working toward what could potentially be a really cool uh big v twin sport bike this is the one for you and uh, it's probably not cheap either i think the arches are uh dollars um volcon Volcan, who is a company out of Texas, and so we will have some more American uh, motorcycles popping up here pretty soon, but they also do make like side-by-sides. They partnered with Toro or Torat. I'm going to say Toro because that looks uh, French to me. Uh, Electric Europa, which is uh, very European. So it's either Torah Electric Europa or it's Toro Electric Europa, they signed a three-year deal and got some exclusive rights uh, for Volcon to sell um, youth mo- youth-based youth motorcycles across the United States in their dealer network, which I don't think they have up and running yet. But it'd at least allow them to get something that's already made out on the showroom floors because I don't think Vulcan's churning out uh, you know as many EVs as I thought they would. I don't know. I'm even sure if they're Texas-based uh, uh production facility is totally open yet for uh for to go but they have been making some news you, you keep your eye if you read electric enough which is <clears throat> possibly maybe vaporware but uh you keep your eyes peeled and you'll volcon will pop up here and now once in that once in a while and uh this one's for sure this one will for sure get them some money coming in uh by selling bicycles or little uh I'm sorry, Youth Motorcycles, which is very popular right now for everybody. I think everybody's offering a youth electric motorcycle right now. They're paving the way. They're getting the young kids used to electric motorcycles because when they don't make gas-powered bikes anymore and all the old crotchety dudes that are paying $19 per you know, half a cup of gas, because that's how much it costs to make it. They're all griping. The young kids will be like, dude, we've been on these electric things since we were little. That's how it's going to work, people. The revolution will not be televised. Uh, Hero Motor Corp launches the Vita V1 electric scooter, uh, splitting a design between Hero's Indian and German campuses. So if you're not in India or Germany, maybe you don't care about this news, but if you're in either of those countries, then, uh, yeah, you might like this. So it's going to be Indian-friendly, um, but I think des- German-designed um, – And and it sounded too good to be true. I was reading it, and I was like, oh, an Indian-based scooter thing that has all this crazy stuff? Let me hear about it. Tell me more. Sell me the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, But listen, the Vita V1 electric scooter uh, has massive, massive battery tech that sounds very flexible. Um, Listen to this. This First of all, the battery is removable, and if you haven't been paying attention to the EV world, there are tons of... uh, battery stations in, uh, across Asia to get all, all, all over Asia that you take your battery out of your little scooter, you plug it into the wall, you grab another one out of the wall and pop it in there. They're all over for these little scooters all across, um, all, all a whole, whole bunch of developed parts of Asia. So there's already a removable battery network sort of popping up. And I, f- I, f- I forget the name of it right off the top of my head, but, uh, also if you haven't been paying attention and I, and I haven't mentioned a lot lately, um, there's you know Yamaha, Honda, I want to say Kawasaki there's there's a couple manufacturers no, I think KTM uh, was it not Kawasaki, I think it was KTM, Yamaha Honda uh, and a few more people um, that I can't recall off the top of my head. they have been getting together for like the last two years doing a, a removable battery. Solution trying to work on their own uh, removable battery that's like cross platform and will work uh, on vehicles so they can kind of like all share the. Uh- the technology, and and it'll fit on their vehicles. They just need to make a battery that's going to work for everybody. So, hey, you don't like a bike, you can go buy a Honda. Hey, you don't like it, you can go buy a Yamaha. But listen, you don't have to buy 18 different styles of uh, replaceable battery. It's very smart. It's very, very smart, and I think it's a good way to go. So they're already working on their uh, this sort of thing as well. So this might be the way of the future. Removable batteries and agreeing on a, a size a general size and a general way of hooking it into a vehicle, getting that, uh, across platforms might be the way to go. You're sharing, you're sharing the pool with everybody else. that's a stakeholder in your uh, industry and you all win because you can all make a, uh, a vehicle that you, that, is uh goes straight to you but their battery technology can be shared all that hardship that uh, instead of having to make your own batteries and chargers and blah 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 you guys just share it right so it's really smart i don't know having said all that i don't know if the VW V1 uh relies on that particular sort of uh battery system or if it's even part of the batteries that are part of this uh network but it is removable and if it's in hero i have to imagine that they are thinking that way um battery testing also was done and we know how like oh yeah you know you hear about electric vehicles and they test them and it's awesome and you get 8000 miles per charge and you know you you went up and down cuz batteries don't rely on uh you know altitude like gas does so you could ride up the side of a mountain and down and riding up the mountain did not uh, Suck any life out of the battery, you know So you hear all these weird things And they're too good to be true And often they are Then you get some guy on YouTube That goes and takes it And he makes it 60 miles before it craps out, right? What happened to my 500 mile range? So battery testing was done And it was done in super high temperatures for the V2V1. They did it on waterlogged roads. They ran it through potholes, super dusty, uneven streets. So it sounds like they rode through India, probably all over the place. And the reason they did this is because they wanted to test it in the type of environments that it's actually going to be ridden in. And that's how you should test something. You shouldn't test it in uh, in a factory on a conveyor belt road, you know, with like a 40-pound test rider, Um, on a flat thing with a tailwind. You got to do it in the real world. So they've tested the battery in the real world, said, hey, it stands up to all this crap. Uh, There's customer geofencing, which if you don't know what that is, that's where you can set it so that, well, you can use it partially for like, uh, hey, my it won't work outside of this area. So use it for theft, you know, if you don't want it to get stolen. But you can also put some geo fencing on it. Where for your kids, it was saying in India or places where a lot of people share the scooter uh, among among a family, you want, might want to make it where your kid can't ride it over a certain speed limit or a certain distance. It'll it'll be good within that perimeter, and then it'll shut off or like you know, it'll it'll limp limp the speed down so that they can get back into the range so that they don't go too far or don't go too fast or whatever it is. So it's got that built in. It's got a seven inch TFT display with all this crazy tech on there. It's got a two way throttle that provides regenerative assist and even reverse. Could you imagine like blipping the throttle? First of all, if you've ever ridden an electric bike, you don't do that and you do your, you do your hardest to try and remember that when you're at a stoplight, don't blip it because it will flip over on you. It is It is going. It 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 just doesn't make a noise. So, uh, but could you imagine rolling your hand forward and all of a sudden you're going backward like that? That'd be kind of crazy. But so it's got regenerative resist and even reverse with this two way throttle. You just you roll it back or you roll it forward uh, and it's got Vita cloud now this is interesting to me and a little bit big brothery this is the part I don't like but it's also like hey convenience or privacy what do you want huh the uh, Vita cloud includes the ability to book maintenance which is okay all right you can do that on website anyway but you can do it from your vehicle now and your vehicle will from what I understand, it uh, will not only give you the ability to book maintenance, but it gives you remote diagnostics. It gives the technicians a look at your uh, vehicle, which again, this is the part I kind of don't like. But it'll let them see, hey, look, the the lights on, or this, you know, come in. We'll schedule you. Uh, uh, a check to see why your, you know, tire pressure lights on or why your, uh, you know, battery management system. I mean, it's an electric bike, so there's not going to be like oil pressure and your gas sending unit, blah, blah, blah. It's just going to be electric stuff. So, uh, but yeah, maybe it'll say your tires, Hey, look, we just, your, your, uh, odometer just went over the, uh, 7,000 mile mark. Um, or the 10,000 mile mark, whatever it is, come in and get some some tires, let us check them and check the brakes, blah, 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 blah. So it's got all that built into this little scooter, which I thought was kind of crazy. Uh, and and there's a whole bunch more. I'm giving you the overview. They they went into great detail about all the stuff that Vita Cloud uh, includes. And I just kind of put it in a little nutshell there because it's, it's got crazy. And it sounded more like uh, spy tech to me. <laughs> so, but it does give you the, the ability to geofence it and do your own spy tech. So I don't know. But anyway, one of the biggest things that I thought was that, that every, every motorcycle should have this, every motorcycle should have this is customer buyback option. So if you don't like it, they'll buy it back from you because they know they can resell it. And also a three day test ride before you buy it every goddamn motorcycle should have a three-day test ride before you buy it. You know why they don't? Because you probably wouldn't buy it once you got stuck with it. Once you sign the paperwork and you're sitting on that baby and you took it for your, like, 15- or 20-minute test ride around the dealership or maybe even at a motor show, and then you're like, yeah, I liked it, I liked it. On day one when you've ridden it an hour and you're – asshole starts to burn because the seat is too hard or like you don't like the way you lean over the handlebars but you didn't notice it when you were as happy as a pig riding it around on this test ride because you just were giving it the beans and doing all sorts of crazy stuff that you weren't going to be locked into the position of for three hours on your commute to and from work every day three days later you hate this thing, but you pay you paid for it, so you can't admit that. It's called buyer's remorse. Everybody has it to some degree about something on their bike. Even if you like the bike, but you don't like the pipe, you don't like the seat, you don't like the handlebars. There's always something that people don't like. Well, this gives you a 3-day test ride before you buy to make sure you like everything and you can identify exactly what you don't like. Uh, so you know either A what you're going to change that first week you own it or B just say, "Yeah, no, I just don't like that." And uh, get on with another the bike. Every single motorcycle should have a three-day test ride before you buy. So good on you, Hero Motor Corp. The Vita V1 electric scooter not likely to come to this side of the pond or, hell, maybe even any part of Europe uh, right now, but we'll see. Maybe after Eichmann, it'll be there, and it'll be a surprise we're coming to your your city. Uh, Munich will be we'll be do- doing wheelies down the street on the Vita V1 electric scooter. Um, last piece of news. And uh, it is by Honda again. And it is in India again. So Honda Motorcycle and Scooter of India, so HMSI, I believe, is their full name. They are announcing uh, a Flex Fuel 125 for 2024. Uh, That was a lot of numbers to say in one sentence, but I hope you bear with me. Listen, the whole reason I want to bring this up is because there's two things that I want to do some articles on on our blog. One of them is the a. Uh, they're both about the AMA. One is the AMA, uh, and their crazy war on ethanol and gas right now. And The more I learned about ethanol and stuff like that, the more I was like, okay, you know, they do have a more argument for that, and I don't want I don't want gas stations putting harmful blends into motorcycles that aren't made for it but most of the motorcycles can handle a certain amount of it it's just older motorcycles that can't and i get that i have most of my motorcycles are old i you know i have one that's 2017 and that's the newest one and everything else is old so sure i myself should be like hey yeah we shouldn't use like ethanol blah 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 but uh there's a bigger fight, and I think that, that that fight that the AMA has right now may be sort of an ironic twist because Honda is developing a flex fuel 125 that runs on a 20% blend of ethanol. Now, when I first saw this, my friend's like, hey, does that mean they're going to be run on the E85? I was like, yeah, it looks like it from what you just typed me and sent me my email. However, when I read the article, it's a 20% blend. So it's a little bit more than... You know, most most modern motorcycles can run on E10, and most older motorcycles can run on stuff up to E10. It's best if you have none, but up to E10. Uh, but this one can run on E uh, well, twenty percent, and I'm not hundred percent sure if that's E20, but uh, whatever the you know whatever the the summer blends are. Uh, I think they get up to twenty percent right now, you know, without people knowing. So in cars, for sure, they don't pay attention to that sort of stuff. So here we have a flex fuel one twenty five. We should instead of like saying, "Hey, don't put ethanol in fuel," we should be saying, "Hey, build more big big build big. Hold on, technical difficulty. While Junkie has a stroke, we'll be right back." Yeah. All right, I'm back. We should be building bigger motorcycles that run on ethanol. Anyone that races could tell you that ethanol, methanol, progethanol, progesterol, and ivermectin will make your motorcycle run like a stuck hog. It will make it run like a cut cat, a raped ape, a giraffe on stilt. Whatever you want, to, whatever thing, whatever animal you have in your country that's fast, it'll it'll go like that chop cheetah I don't know you make up your own monkey Mon- you make up your own animal if it's a monkey and you live in a country where monkeys are fast this will be that fast animal so i don't know they'll t- uh you know i know they are faster on ethanol but they ruin the motors so why don't we make bikes that will run on ethanol and this flex fuel hell why don't we make a bike that runs on e85 i'm sure brazil has one all of their cars run on sugar cane that's why they're destroying the rainforest they make uh sugar gas you know so um yeah it's just crazy like i think instead of fighting uh ethanol numbers we should be saying hey motorcycle industry look what you're doing here do this do more of it um, and sure, keep some gas for us, people with older bikes that don't like it. But, uh, I think that's always going to be around. There's a lot of engines that don't like ethanol period or that you have to mix. And I think that that's what we'll be doing with older motor, motorbikes inevitably in the future, you know, hundred years from now, you got your great, great grandpa's, you know, 1971 Harley Davidson and it's 2000, uh, it's twenty one, twenty five, or something like that, and you got this nineteen seventy one old thing that's falling apart, and it's like it won't run on this new space gas we have. Well, listen, you're always going to need an, a gas for old bikes, but by then, hopefully, we can run on E two hundred. I don't know, whatever. So anyway, this this country, uh, you know, India is trying to increase ethanol and vegetable oils in their fuel and diesels, respectively, uh, the petroleum based and diesel based uh, fuels. Which they both might be petroleum based. I just made a misspeak, and you can sue me if you want to. Uh, but anyways, they're trying to get more uh, more ethanol in theirs, and I say go for it. And we're gonna probably write about that uh, on our blog. The other thing we have that we want to write about on the blog, I personally want to write about, is the AMA and uh, Tesla. But that's uh, that's another story. Let's take a quick break. You've been listening to me ramble on for a whole hour. And I really haven't said anything useful to you yet. Uh, email the show creative dot com forward slash up your butt with coconut when you, when I have said something useful to you that you like that you can use. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with more creative writing. Hey, everybody. This is Nathan Flats from Flats tires reminding you to come on down and get everything you need for your bike we've got tires they're round they're made of rubber and we supply everything you need including valve stems the only thing you need to supply is the air that's right come down to flats tires we're on the corner of state street and first down in epperton
1: looking for a high quality leather that doesn't cost an arm and a leg well not yours anyway Try Criders, made in the USA from 100% renewable resources. We don't use fancy hide like kangaroo or elk, nor do we use other imported hides like jaguar or okapi. Those animals are scarce and protected. We extrapolate our hides from a unique source of marsupial. Not a wallaby though, if that's what you were thinking. Criter's leathers are made from the United States' most renewable resource, the common opossum. The common opossum is so common, in fact, that thousands of hides go to waste each year on American roadways. We don't believe in letting these valuable garment farms end up in the city dump, especially with a looming leather shortage on the horizon. Criders is dedicated to rider safety and a low overhead is our number one priority. Visit Criders today and we'll fit you up in new skin. Possum skin. Criders, the cheapest leather you'll wear. Visit Cryder's now. We're located down by the stream behind the old recycling factory, Kreider's Leathers. Just texting him back. I'm just posting a story. I'm just changing the song. I'm just... No. When it
0: comes to distracted driving, just don't. Sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds, but in that time, your car can travel the length of an entire football field. Any distracted driving just isn't worth it.
1: Visit Stop Texts, A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.
0: Hey, everybody. Our friends Nancy and Mark, the creators of Mimi and Moto, want you to join their mission to get more children excited about motorcycles. Go visit MimiAndMoto.com where you can purchase the couple's motorcycle books, The Adventures of Mimi and Moto, and Mimi and Moto Ride the Alphabet, along with t-shirts, onesies, ornaments, and plushies. And stay tuned as Nancy and Mark are working on a new chapter book called Mimi and Moto's Magical Meteors, First Gear, which will be released in 2023 MimiandMoto.com Listen, I know the music for this ad is ending, but I really want to let everybody know that I am very happy to have been uh, partnering with them for this uh, last few months, and it would make a big big uh, difference to me. It would warm a spot in my heart personally from you. Uh, you don't have to become a patron of the show. You don't even have to listen to the podcast which would be really weird though to get this message out if you didn't listen. Um, don't have to buy anything. Uh, you know, anything like that from this show, but please go support a good cause, get our kids geared up and excited about motorcycles. And the way to do that is helping out Mimi and Moto, the motorcycle monkeys, Nancy and Mark and the team there, uh, put a lot of work into that and do a lot for the community. So it would make a big difference to me. Like I said, check them out, MimiandMoto.com, your favorite motorcycle monkeys in the world. All right, let's get back to more creative writing. Tobor. I was just looking back over the first part of the show and I saw some blank spaces in there. Uh I don't know, right around the I don't know. Toward the beginning of the show. I don't know what minute mark it was. What was that? It was nothing. I suspect otherwise, Tobor we'll have a conversation about this after the show. All right, everybody, let's finish up the show. Let's wrap it up, make it an hour, uh, an hour long. How's that? And let me talk to you. Probably. I won't make it an hour. Cause I'm going to blab, but I just want to cover some of the things we've been up to. Uh, if you watch our Patreon video, you know, we're up to crafting in the garage, uh, making some motorcycle parts. And that's always fun. Uh, also doing, um, doing maintenance. I, when when me and Wiggins went riding, you know, over the beginning of the summer, and I crashed, uh, it took me a couple weeks to order parts and and replace my clutch lever and uh, what else did I do? Well, what I didn't do was bleed the brakes yet. They feel fine, you know, they were fine, but uh, I can tell they need to be bled. And it's that time you're supposed to bleed your brakes every two years. Did you know that you're supposed to replace your brake fluid like every two years and uh, I think my service manual says to replace the hoses uh, every four, something like that. I think that's what I think that's what it said in my service manual. Can you believe that? Replace your hoses. When's the last time I mean, you probably haven't even bled your brakes in four years, let alone done your hoses? So we've been doing a little bit in the garage. Um, it's been pretty good to get out here. Um, I mentioned that over the summer it was too blasted hot out here. I would come out here and nearly die. Uh, all my stuff, uh, you know, I was afraid half my supplies got ruined. Some of them did. Uh, I'm going to have to buy a few new things. I really want to button up. Um, if you watched, uh, like I said, if, you have, if you're a patron and you look at that video I made today, that stuff is coming out of... Um, you know, just kind of improving what I already had. But there's some other stuff that I had in, in works. There's a bunch of fiberglass work that I've been doing for like the last like year uh, in my spare time, uh, changing things here and there, scrapping it. You know, I can't tell you how much fiberglass I threw away. But I still do have some projects in the books, and I need to get some new tools this summer. Uh, some of my stuff went bad uh, from the heat and some of my tools got ruined actually uh, so I haven't replaced them yet but I will but yeah we're crafting we're getting back to crafting now that it's cooled down and it's going to be freezing in here pretty soon it's going to be rainy and cold and in uh, Wisconsin it'll be a summer day but here in Southern California will be I'll be in a beanie with you know hobo gloves on the f- uh, flaming barrel drum with wooden pallets on fire just to keep warm like a hobo uh, and uh, probably getting back to finishing up, finally finishing up the uh, uh, fiberglass stuff I couldn't get to uh, over the summer. It was too hot to work. Um, it was I've, I don't wouldn't normally say that, but it really was. Uh, stuff would have been kicking. I would have had four-minute work time. It would have been terrible. Um, so yeah, it's really nice to get back in the garage and get crafting on some stuff. Speaking of getting crafting on some stuff, I know I did mention that Wiggins had baby Wiggins a few weeks ago. I got to see baby Wiggins. Uh, and that was all good. What I didn't see, what I didn't know, we went out to the bike shed. Uh, we went over to the bike shed for some breakfast and that was awesome. And I think I did mention that too. Made some connections over there, did some really cool stuff. Uh, the place is pretty fun. What I didn't tell you, because what I don't think I knew at the time was that Wiggins and his buddy, uh, other Chris that's been on the show, um, they, Wiggins brought a ton of bikes back from Indiana when his dad passed. And I did not know that he brought back some Super Cubs, so old 1965, you know, CA 110 Super Cubs. uh, And. They look like Honda Dream, sort of. And, and sort of, you know, you know what the Cub looks like the old, old Cub. Uh, he brought back a ton of those. He brought back some other stuff. He was going to bring me, or he said, I found this perfect bike for you, but it got stolen out of his dad's yard. As soon as people learned that his dad died, I guess they were just stealing stuff out of his yard left and right. But it was an XR250, which was actually my very first motorcycle. Um, I, I learned on dirt like everyone else in uh, in the world. And yeah, my very first motorcycle was an XR250. Um, I, you know, had fun on that. We lead it through a few fences, uh, crashed a little bit here and there. And I kind of wish I still had that bike. What I ended up doing is when I got into cars, I took it apart and I was going to make a zero roll rear end for a formula V that never happened. <coughs> Half of my car stuff never happened. I had so many cars and so little money <laughs> as you do when you're a kid. Uh, but yeah, a lot of that stuff never happened. So, uh, Long story short, I wish I still had that bike. That would have been a pimp-ass bike to, to have. So, um, But anyways, all these cool bikes that they brought back from Indiana that I had no idea about till we went out for breakfast at the bike shed and then they are talking about them and showing them to me, they are starting to look great. Uh, Siddons is one of those guys. He works in the uh, special effects industry here in Hollywood. He's used to deadlines. He used to getting something and not sitting on it for 100 years like me and gets it done. I only do that when I'm up against a deadline. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's on it and he's got some of these things looking great. Got some tires ordered. Um, it's looking pretty, pretty spectacular. So as it took me like a month and a half to fix my brake lever, he's already got these bikes looking great. And, um, yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Wiggins on the other hand, who is also, I don't know what he picked up, but he's brought some stuff. He's trying to sell some of the bikes that he's got since 18 bikes. is just a little too many unless you're a dealership. He's uh he brought back some stuff too. And I'm not hundred percent sure what, but his CBX, he brought back a pipe for that. He's got a new pipe on it. I think it sounds like crap. I love the way his CBX sounded with the stock pipe on there. Uh, he's got super trap on it now. I think it sounds like garbage, but I didn't say that to his face. It sounds, I mean, it sounds pretty, it sounds louder, but to me, I liked the sound of the stock one. Um, and what he said is, is, uh, his, uh, lightning, lightning wires aren't working very good. The lightning tubes aren't putting lightning to the, to the bike cause it's only running on two cylinders. And then, you know, like a CBX is a six cylinder inline six cylinder Honda from, uh, early 80s. So when it's only running or just down to actually I guess. So it's a four cylinder. It's a CB uh it's like a CB 750 right now. <laughs> so he's missing two cylinders. Um so he's been having trouble with that bike left and right and then once he got the um you know, once he got the super trap on it and it sounds different and it's running worse. So it's like, and then he came over here the other, other week. He had left the ignition on while he was um, doing something and totally burnt, melted a fuse. So he came over here. We did some wire uh, wiring. I have, I have those OE Honda clips. We put some new stuff in there. It looks great. Now, uh, it is fun to get to wrench with the guys and get back to doing some of that stuff. Uh, bike shed, awesome uh, awesome place to eat lunch and go for a little ride to. But, uh, what I didn't tell Wiggins, <coughs> since he didn't tell me he was bringing back a bunch of bikes, I would have requested a couple, you know, small displacement Honda SLs or something like that, that I'm sure his dad had. Uh, I didn't tell Wiggins. I know, I know where CBX is. Am I going to go buy it? No, cause I'm not Wiggins. I don't need 75 bikes. I, I barely have room for the ones that I have here. Uh, and so I don't need another one. But I know where a CBX is. And it's probably in a decent condition. It's sitting out. Uh, but here in California, the uh, the only thing that breaks down is the sun. The sun will eat everything uh, rubber alive if it, if it can. So we don't have salt. We don't have snow. We don't have a lot of rain, you know, getting in rust and stuff and that. We have sun. So this thing has been covered up. Recently, the winds, we've had some pretty high winds uh, blow through in the last couple of weeks. And it uncovered... Another bike next to this one. It blew the tarps off. The tarps look like a tattered sail from the movie Castaway. Uh, and so not only did I see this lovely CBX, same color as Wiggins, uh, it's been. You know, it's not as nice as his because it wasn't garaged as you do in California. You leave the bikes out because we don't have harsh winters and then the sun eats the paint. So the paint is a little sunburned, but it's the same color as Wiggins, that uh, like carmine red or whatever the hell it is. And then I saw next to it a black, what appeared to be at first another you know, CBX and I couldn't believe it. But I think it's a black CB750 around the same era, same age. It's got those weird square looking heads. Uh So probably same, close to the same vintage uh had those winds not kicked up and tattered the tarps on both of these vehicles uh I wouldn't have seen them but yeah it looks awesome so I know where a CBX is Wiggs, and I'm not going to not going to tell you uh unless you tell me the next time you're going to go take a order for bikes at uh you know from from the old man's vintage garage. Uh, another thing, last thing I want to leave you with before I bail out on this week's show is um, maybe I shouldn't bring it up, but I'm not a huge. I love racing, obviously motorcycle motorcycle racing specifically, and I'm not a big stick and ball sports fan. But there is one thing that I like that is um, sort of motorized, sort of motorheady, Rocket League. Uh, if you've never heard of rocket league, it's basically the dumbest game in the world. It is soccer with cars and it's a video game that I'm talking about, but I recently got into it over the last year. And as the whole reason I'm bringing it up is because it's one of those things like motocross or road racing where, Hey, you like, you like football, you like baseball. guess what? Not only are you probably never going to have a career in those, especially if you're listening to this now thinking, yeah, I probably won't. Uh, you know, you have to get into that stuff straight out of high school these days. And and if you haven't already done that, if you're already out of high school and you're not a professional uh, stick and ball sport player, there's no ch- chance for you. Even racing to some, uh, you know, you can race in your local events, stuff like that. But uh, even racers nowadays start super young, you know. Um, the one thing I like about motorcycles, though, is that you can still go do it. You can't go to the Cleveland Browns stadium, actually maybe in Cleveland, maybe they rent that stadium out for pretty cheap. I couldn't tell you, but uh, maybe you could go play, play on that field. But what you can do on a motorcycle is you can go to tracks and do track days. You can go to motorcycle tracks, and do track days that the pros are on. You can go to road race tracks, race on the same track that that the pros are on, and not to that level, but but you can get in club racing. You know what I'm saying? There's not really like stick and ball sports that are club sports that anybody can pick up and do. The whole reason I like Rocket League is because it is not only easier than racing, it's a little bit cheaper than racing. Uh, Anybody can do it. You just drive your car into a ball and you make a goal. However... Uh, the whole reason I bring some of this up is because I've been I've been enjoying the fall uh, Invitational right now while I've been in the garage working. It's been consuming my last few weekends. Um, yeah, to see your team get decimated is crazy, but I love Rocket League because you can play it. You don't have to be a pro. You're playing the same sport that pros are playing, and it reminds me a lot of all the motorized stuff. Everything I see on YouTube, if it's got a motor in it and the pros are doing it, you can do it too and usually at the same time. Places that the pros do it, and then just you know that kind of resonated with me one more time uh, with this stupid video game. But also the guys that are playing on this, I've been watching like their Twitch streams and stuff. A lot more interesting than some of the motorcycle stuff I've been seeing online. Frankly, I'm kind of getting sick of uh, some of the content out there right now. And uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. So hey, I watch this sport. This is a sport I like. I like racing. I like. I do like soccer. Uh, but I don't like other sports like football baseball hockey's all right You know hockey they're constantly moving. It's a little bit more like soccer Uh, the reason I like soccer is because they're constantly running for 90 minutes It's baseball football. I've gone to the games. They're like four hours long You just sit there and watch them stand on the field for 15 minutes While they figure out to play or like, you know, there there's very little constant action but racing I love it soccer. I love it. This has the best of both worlds have to say, uh I was surprised. Two of my favorite teams, um, Space Station Gaming and FaZe Clan, went up against each other from North America. And there's this new team I never, ever heard of called Gen G Mobile 1 or something like that. And they came in. I've never heard of them before. New team, like 12-year-old guys. And uh, they just came in and blew everyone away. It's so interesting in this sport. It's Similar to racing, you never know when you're going to get a Mark Marquez, who's you know 19 years old, come in and blow Valentino Rossi and, and Jorge Lorenzo. You know, ruin their ruin their decade by just dominating. Uh, you know, the first eight seasons he's he's racing. Um, so yeah, I think I'm gonna leave you with that. If you if you do want to play, let me know. If you've got an account, it's a cross-platform account on like Xbox and PlayStation and PC and all that fun stuff. We can set up a little team, we can do little scrums, especially as the winter months are getting here. So uh I also like Mad Skills Motocross, but nobody took me up on my offer to play that. Uh, the one thing I like about Rocket League that I don't like about racing is sure. There's why, junkie. Why are you telling us about a soccer video game with cars? Why aren't you talk about a motorcycle racing game? And it's just simply because it's a team thing. I like being team. I like being cooperative. I like all that stuff. Uh, and it's still motor motor related, not motorcycle related. But that would be cool if they did motorcycle Rocket League at some point. But um, it's the team thing. You 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 get the best of the team sports uh, without having to watch boring team sports you know you get the best of cars and and uh hockey or soccer there's actually a hockey mode and if you like basketball there's a basketball mode too so it's just really hard to score a bit shoot a basket up in the air with the car long story short uh, if anybody wants to play hit me up we'll get online we'll do a little uh, private tourney it'd be kind of fun to check it out but yeah maybe I was, it got me thinking about motorsports and why motorsports are kind of a niche thing and they go up and down in popularity just depending on the, the public's exposure and why aren't they long term uh popular and i think it's because there's no team aspect people can get behind a team people can get behind a group of people working together to a common goal you just don't see that with racing sure you have the race team and you can talk about the team but it's the one person out there on track that makes the whole difference uh case in point who was valentino rossi's crew chief who was his tire spec chief who was uh you know yeah but if you can't name that then you don't you know Team doesn't matter. Same with anybody. I could say uh, Bagnaya, Marquez, whoever. If you don't know their team, then is it a team sport? So this is kind of just really different. Uh, had me, got me thinking about it. And got me thinking about how much fun it is to play it. So with that, I'm going to leave you. Creative writing. Uh, thank you everybody for all the emails. Please go check out MimiAndMoto.com. Uh, get all your motorcycle monkey uh christmas said the holidays are coming up we're really trying to help mark and nancy out it's going to be a few weeks until uh november and then you know what after that it's christmas and so we're really trying to get the word out for them if you could get some uh buy some cool merch uh, for the little ones in your family or if you have your own kids that have not yet read these wonderful books they are enjoyable at any age i can tell you so go check them out and it'll help me and moto Magical Meteor's book, uh, Chapter 1 or First Gear, it'll help all of this get out uh, that much more smoothly in the new year. So we are very stoked for that. Uh, Field Initiative Knives, now that uh, Wiggins actually just went to a couple knife shows on his... KTM. So, uh, keeping it real, riding the motorcycle to, uh, to the knife shows. He's been at a couple, uh, if you haven't checked him out already, check him out field underscore initiative underscore knives on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, let him know you're looking at his stuff. Even if you don't intend to buy right now, I've been watching, uh, aside from playing rocket league, I've been watching a lot of naked and afraid with my wife. And I'll tell you what, a knife is one of the most important tools uh, that you could have in the wild, especially one that you could start a fire with. It's awesome. So go check him out, Field Initiative Knives, um, see if there's something that he has that you might like. Um, and club and pickles, as usual. If you don't have a club and pickle in your mouth, are you even alive? Are you even breathing? I don't think you are. You must be uh, must be dead. Um, so yeah, club and pickles, uh, Mimi and Moto field initiative knives and for Pete's sake it's been over two years we've at least if you're not going to change your brake hoses just flush the fluid just do that for old junkie and have a good one everybody uh, bon voyage namaste uh, whatever have a good one and we'll talk to you next time with tales from the no no actually next time we'll just see you uh, here at Creative Writing have a good one talk to you later Bye.